In this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, we see that human reason darkened by sin cannot accept the spiritual rebirth that the Spirit brings. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit works in us to bring us new birth. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, the epistle reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, Pastor Sam has read to us just a few moments ago. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service last Wednesday, we we turned the page on the church's calendar and entered into the season of Lent. Now, the church's calendar has roots that can be traced all the way back to the fourth century which means that for 1,700 years, Christians have been measuring their time, not by the world's standards, but by the life and the work of Jesus. Through six seasons, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and then Pentecost, we are not in the where we are in the world, but we are not of the world, Paul wrote to the first century believers in Corinth. And the church's calendar is not just some empty ritual, although I will admit that sadly we have been guilty of turning it into that sometimes. No, the church's calendar is intended to structure our thinking and our day-to-day living around the story of God's love for us and for his whole creation in Jesus. Epiphany has been an exciting and an intense season as we discovered the very heart of God week after week. But there was always something lurking in the background as Jesus sought to teach us what exactly he came to do. Yes, indeed, the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. The world put right has begun in him, but it will only find its way down into the nooks and the crannies of our lives through his suffering and his death on the cross. So we ended Epiphany last week standing in the glory presence of God, shining out from Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And from there, we must come down into the valley of the shadow of death before we climb up another hill in a few weeks called Golgotha and Calvary and learn to sing the hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. But do we? Will we find glory in the cross for our moment in time? Under the theme, The Power of the Cross, we will look at a series of metaphors, a series of word pictures that the Scriptures use to reveal and to impress on us the glory of the cross in our daily lives. And today, we begin with the image of being born again. Through the power of the cross, we are born again to live joyful lives of faith. Look, this born-again life of faith begins with a word of praise for God. <laughs> not, not just any old generic God that you make up to meet and to serve your expectations, but the one and only true triune God who loves us so much that He takes on our humanity in order to rescue us, in order to restore us. Praising God for who He is and for what He has done is actually like a, a wonder drug that can cure our souls. If we look up, instead of looking around at all that's wrong in this world, it will give us strength. I mean, we are, in fact, complex creatures with complex emotions, complex feelings that oftentimes conflict at the same time, having grief and joy. But, but it's very difficult, if not impossible, to praise God and be resentful. To praise God and be discontent. To praise God and be jealous. Living the born-again life begins with praise. And then, the born-again life of faith must be continuously anchored in the guaranteed certainty that what we see and experience here and now is not all there is. Living hope is an irrepressible confidence that God has a plan, that He's working the plan now, even through the ugly twists and turns of human history. To quote one biblical scholar, he wrote, something happened within the actual world of space and time and matter, and as a result, everything is different. By six o'clock on Friday evening that Jesus died, something had changed and changed radically. And the proof of that radical change is Jesus' resurrection from the dead and the born-again life of those who believe in Him. The born-again life of faith that begins as you witnessed it again this morning in your baptism whereby the power of the Holy Spirit came upon you and supernaturally united you to Jesus in His death and resurrection.
The born again life of faith is renewed and it is strengthened every time that you see, taste, touch, hear, or smell water and you remember your baptism. I asked for rain today to make that point. Now look carefully at what awaits you. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. You see, the only way that Peter can explain it, that Peter can describe it, that he can get us to imagine it, is to hold it up against our present experience and say, not that. Perishable is what you see when you leave the leftovers sit on the table for a week and then a month. Perishing is the process that started the day that you were born and becomes more and more obvious the longer you live. Perishing is what happened to the entire human race when Adam and Eve decided for all of us that we could handle life without God's interference. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting, imperishable, born-again life. It's really hard to imagine things that don't wear out, that don't decay, that don't break. Lois and I had a car once where each one of the electric windows failed in succession. And when Lois went to pick it up for the second or the third time, the shop mechanic tried to reassure her that the new parts had a lifetime warranty. And Lois's question was, why didn't they put those in the car when they made that? Look, being born again is the only legitimate lifetime warranty you will ever get. Defilement is the ongoing destruction of the creation of our bodies, of this planet, of our eternal souls, which accelerates the rate at which we perish. The Bible calls it sin. And whenever we go chasing off after anything other than God, we defile what God created imperishable and we put another log on the fire of our own mortality. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Now maybe you have some old photographs, especially some of the very first color photos where everything in the picture is fading and the colors are all washed out and the image grows fainter and fainter. Look, my problem and maybe yours too is that I often become so complacent with what I have here and now that I don't even think much about what is yet to come. I'm so used to fading and decaying and perishing that I, that I stop hoping for something better. 
I'm the frog in the kettle, unaware that the temperature is slowly rising all around me. I have become nose blind. The technical term is olfactory adaptation, a mechanism in the brain that after repeated or prolonged odorous exposure induces perceptual decrease. The smell of sin in the world and in my life is so continuous that it doesn't stink to me anymore. (laughs) When all the while, what is imperishable, what is undefiled, what is unfading is being kept for me and for you. I have really, really good news for you today. You are being guarded by God himself through your faith in Jesus to receive salvation, that is, the born-again life and the way that it was always meant to be, forgiven again today and then when Jesus comes again in glory to to make it all permanent. And that word, that word guarded, actually carries a double meaning. It can mean both kept from escaping and protected from attack. That means that as you and I live out our born-again life of faith, God actually works to keep us from foolishly running away from Him while at the same time protecting us from the things in this world that would try and separate us from Him. Although we must now say that we will not always appreciate the way that He works that out in our lives. The born-again life of faith will change your perspective on the circumstances you will face. Look, there, there is an old saying that suffering, that is being grieved by various trials, will either make you better or it will make you bitter. Look, with born-again eyes, focused on our imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance in the new heaven and the new earth, the trials and the sufferings of living in a perishing, defiled, fading world will refine, will purify, will strengthen, will build up our faith in Jesus. I mean, look what it says. Our suffering is now for a little while which is really hard to hear when you're smack dab in the middle of it. In that moment, suffering will seem unfair and interminable. And Satan will whisper, what kind of God would allow something like this to happen to someone as good as you are? Or, you see, he can't really love someone as bad as you are. Look, we need to be ready for the trials before they start. Thank goodness God is guarding us. I will confess before you this morning that one of my biggest fears as I come to the end of my ministry is that I have not prepared all of you well enough 
that the relative ease of our lives at this moment in time could prove to be spiritual disaster waiting to happen. That when the trials come, faith will go. Will you wait until persecution actually knocks at your door to see whether or not your faith is prepared to handle it? Will you wait until our economy implodes to discover how resilient your trust in God's provision will be? Can we, will we, pursue genuineness of faith that will be able to withstand the fire of various trials so that when they come, they refine, they purify our faith. Look, maybe you're in the middle of a fiery trial right now, financial, emotional, relational, medical, aging in place. Can you pray the prayer of genuine faith? God, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Can you, will you, trust that in the middle of whatever trials, God is up to something that you may not ever fully understand until the revelation of Jesus Christ? Look, we have to keep our born-again eyes focused on the goal of our faith, which is not some pie in the sky, by and by promise, but the coming of the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, right now, breaking into our world through our faith in Jesus until he comes again to make it permanent. So this week... Would anyone guess from watching you, observing you without your knowledge, that you've been born again, that your spirit is already living the eternal, everlasting life that it was originally designed and created for? How might that happen? Well, the Bible is certainly not silent on the subject. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. When you find yourself this week a bit grumpy on the gloomy side, bordering on an Eeyore, well, it's not much of a tale, but it's the only tale I've got. You might take a break from the news and spend some time not just with your scriptures but with quality literature or music or art 
or science or even sports and marvel at what fallen human beings are capable of and try to imagine what restored humanity will be like. Talk to someone who has been through a fiery trial and came out faith refined and purified and rejoicing with inexpressible joy over God's presence in their suffering. Come to the midweek services and listen to Vicar Rob teach you how to use lament. Crying out honestly, even angrily, in your suffering to God. Walk with a fellow follower of Jesus who will call you out gently and respectfully or bluntly when necessary and remind you of the living hope that is ours through the resurrection of Jesus. This is Lent. Repent, which I beg you to remember, isn't being more gloomy and more grumpy, but turning around to find the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ smiling and anxious to lift you up. This is the power of the cross, causing you to be born again today into that living hope that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading today and then again tomorrow. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. Weekly awakening question for this week for you to ponder and to maybe talk with one another about is how will others see your joy of being born again? Talk about that, would you please? How will others see your joy of being born again?